This is Pablo Gonzalez, your Chief Executive Connector, and I connected with Josh and Eric from Podmax at a podcasting conference. Hit it off with them right off the bat, and now I can't stop going to Podmax. Podmax is a one-day event designed to teach you how to be a great guest on a podcast, get you featured on at least three prestigious podcasts, such as the Chief Executive Connector podcast, and get you networked in this world with other guests and hosts. Bottom line, if you own a business right now or in, in business development, you should really have a podcast strategy. It's the new PR, except way more genuine and a less expensive way of acquiring customers. For example, I get 800 downloads on my show per month, and my audience is like middle of the pack for PodMax. So think about doing three podcasts, like getting three keynotes in front of 500 to 1,000 people each. It's huge. So I highly encourage you to check out PodMax at podmax.co. I'll link it in the show notes podmax.co right now and sign up for the next one on December 4th. If you have any questions, reach out. And if not, I'll see you there. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way. And in that, I learn from him. This means every single person you ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person and therefore has something to teach you. And you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every networking event or conference you walk into is both a library and your stage. Your network is your personal Google, and you are a part of everyone's Wikipedia. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I am your Chief Executive Connector. Follow me as we meet people in my walks. Find out what we can learn from them, what they've learned from others, and what made them want to connect so you can learn to gain and give value to others in all of your interactions. I am terrible at asking for stuff, but if you want to do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. Let me know what you've learned from each episode, or at the very least, hit me up if I can ever be of service or any kind of value to you. Now, without further ado, let's get connected. Welcome back to the Chief Executive Connector Podcast. I am your host, Pablo Gonzalez, and you're Chief Executive Connector. And today we're doing something a little bit different, right? We're usually talking to people that I've known and and I can um, really highlight what I've learned from them. But because of my partnership with PodMax and the awesomeness that that is, this is more of an exercise in getting to know somebody and, and starting that conversation. And I'm super duper pumped to talk to my new friend, my future new friend, right? I don't want to fake the funk yet. Uh, Josh Lewis, who is uh, basically a born entrepreneur, right? Like he is kind of iterated through entrepreneurship from a young age, sounds like, and went into engineering and school and then construction, which is something you don't know, Josh, very similar to my path, right? Like I, 15 years in construction where I iterated through. And now his latest projects is Retech Systems. That's a licensing software for roofing company, roofing companies and, and licensing around, around that after he just recently had his exit of a roofing company that he started. So super pumped to talk to you, Josh. Welcome to the Chief Executive Connected Podcast. How you doing, man? Pablo, thanks so much for having me. This is really exciting to be a part of this and uh, can't wait to, to get to know you a little bit better and hopefully be able to bring some value to your world. I love it, dude. I love it, man. Have you, have you been on podcasts before? I have not. This is oh. my first. 
All right. I like this, dude. Vulnerability right off the bat, man. So listen, I just I just went through this with you, right? I I start all my podcasts saying that I have this thesis of human connection. The quickest way to connect with anybody is you do them a favor, add a little value to their life, they're going to be connected, right? And I think our conversation will have some of that. Uh, but also, if, if, you, if you're vulnerable and you share vulnerability, anybody that shares in that will immediately be close to you. So for, for the sake of our friend whose ear we're in right now, um, can you kind of share with me either something you're struggling with right now or something that you've, you've struggled with in the past so, so they, can, they can feel like they know you? Yeah, love it. Going deep right from the start. Um, yeah, so I think something that I struggled with in the past and probably still do, uh, you know, when I first started my company, I was 23 years old and there's the awkward balance that you have to, to strike between being someone's boss and being half their age. <laughs> um, so, so that's part of the, the struggle. But I think the deeper root of that is feeling like you're an imposter, feeling like you have started something, but you don't really fully understand what you're doing and how to do it. Um, kind of that idea of like you jumped out of the airplane and you're building your parachute on the way down versus being prepared on the way out. And so I think that's the number one thing that I struggled with a lot at the beginning. Uh, now as I'm almost 30, it's starting to go away. But I tell you, the bigger things I get into, the more it, I'm seeing it come back, I guess you could say that every time I try to up my game, let's call it, um, that feeling starts to eke back in and you have to fight it and, and move on. So that, that imposter syndrome, I guess is what I've struggled with. Most human thing ever, man. Like I, so that is literally the answer of like 65, 70% of when I start the show, right? Like it, it really is one of these things where it takes a while to figure it out, but we're, nobody knows the answers to anything. Right. So like being, I think Brene Brown puts it best, man, when she says that, like, if you're not about to throw up when you're, when you're doing something, you're probably not growing or trying too hard. Yeah. You're not going hard enough. Yeah. Yeah, man. So at what point in your life did you start identifying that? Right. So like, it's one thing to like feel it at 23. It's another thing to like name it and know that it's happening to you. How did that, how did, how did that come into your like conscious? Yeah. Truthfully, I don't think that I recognized it until I had a lot of deep conversations with my now wife, um, which, you know, there it is. Sharing vulnerabilities leads to uh, a marriage, apparently. <laughs> um, but I think she helped me put a name to what it was. But um, I think all along the ways that I combated it was through, I guess, just trying to offer the best we could possibly do, you know, to like, let's deliver value. And by delivering value, you start to feel less and less like you're faking it because it's like, no, I'm really doing this. This is really happening. Um, I'm networking with other individuals. I am, yes, touting our services, but then we're actually delivering said services and that, that helps fight it. That's a good way to put it, dude. You know, the, the validation that comes from people telling you that you delivered on their expectations is big. And then you also, you also identified something else. If you are, when you realize that you're starting a network with people that you think are like superstars or so much better than you or whatever, you start, you know, at a certain point it's imposter syndrome. And another point you can take that as a validation that if they think you belong in the room with them, that should, that should tell you something too, right? That's Absolutely. something I've had a hard time accepting, but it makes a lot of sense. I've never actually thought of it that way. It's really cool. 
So tell me, man. All right. So then let's talk. I, so I myself, I graduated from University of Florida, go Gators. And <laughs> full disclosure, Josh went to Florida State. So we already, <laughs> we're already at odds. Here. For those of you that don't know, that's a, it's a massive rivalry. It's, it's uh, I think 15 years ago, it was probably a lot heavier than it was, than it is now, simply because the, the teams aren't as good as they used to be. Yeah, but Especially um, Florida State. We don't have to dive into that. So I graduated from UF. I got this job in, in this Masco contractor services that was this like executive in training for a Fortune 500 subcontractor. And I, at 24 years old, got actually at 23 years old, got moved to Southern California where I was managing an 80 person operation. And by the time I was 25, I was managing like a 120 person, $50 million operation, right? So like, I'm, I'm with you. I, I know, I know this life, right? Yeah. Um, talk to me about, you said before that you were like a born entrepreneur that you just kind of started wheeling and dealing businesses. Tell me about the first time you made a buck, man. Yeah, sure. So I think the first, the first time I actually made a buck with, I'm not gonna lie, it was from my dad. I was like, dad, did, are there, you know, is there anything I can do around the house to make money? And uh, he set me up making a dollar an hour. You know, it's probably when I was like 11 or 12 years old, but digging a ditch that he was gonna lay some pipe in and plumb another part of the yard. <laughs> um, that was probably the first buck I've earned. Um, but after that, it was, uh, you know, turned 15, got a job at the local hobby shop, fixing RC cars. Uh, I was always interested in that. And from there, just kind of started splitting firewood on the weekends, and which in Florida sounds funny, but it, it works. People did buy it, um, delivering firewood. And after that, I was flipping cars, you know, buying and selling automobiles. And I, out of necessity, had to fix my own truck. But basically, it had blown a, not a head gasket, but the actual head itself. And so, yeah, like I said, out of necessity, I just pulled apart the entire engine and didn't really have much of a choice. So it was like, well, if it doesn't work, it doesn't really matter because I couldn't have paid someone to do it anyway. And so um, pulled it all together, pulled it all apart, put it all back together and uh, drove it for another three years after that. And uh, after that, just kind of, you know, figured out I knew how to work on cars. And so sort of buying stuff that was broke online and fixing it up and selling it for a profit. Amazing, dude. So you are like the manliest dude I've ever heard in my life, right? Like these are all like manly, manlier, manliest. Uh, tell me about, tell me about your old man, man. So do you think that he instilled this like, did you, do you think you learned this from him? Do you think you were born with this, like an entrepreneurial bug? Like what, what, what there was, uh, what, what formed you into this? Like, I mean, pretty manly hobby slash enter, entrepreneur kind of tendencies. Do you see anything yeah. from him? Yeah, it's good. Good leeway. Um, I think it did learn a lot from my dad. He was a contractor mm -hmm. and I would say he was very good at all the trades. He, you know, he could do anything whether it be drywall, building a house, a deck, a commercial building, it didn't matter. He had a ton of experience. You know, at this point he's been doing it for 60 years. No, no not quite, but 50 some odd years. And um, I think the thing that always struck me was that he was mostly doing the work himself rather than creating a system and a process for, you know, streamlining said work even for himself, but much less for someone else. And I always saw it as a challenge to, to like, okay, how can I take what dad does and turn it into something replicable, something that's easy. You know, what I saw him fight with is like, he had this van that was full of tools and it, it was literally like this 1500 Express or whatever it was, but it was like 
so much weight in the van that it was sagging down to the almost like the axles <laughs> and i can remember being just so embarrassed to be taken to school by him but but it is what it is <laughs> and it would take him an hour or two hours to like unpack all the tools to get to what he needed for certain projects and i always felt like man if you if he had just picked like one thing to be good at then he could have had like the exact tools the exact things he needed and then just go like crush whatever said project was that day rather than being like the jack of all i guess you, you could say um he could have i think specialized and been a lot more efficient with his time but as well as you know being less expensive for customers kind of building that value through efficiency and uh that that was something that always drove me kind of nuts but i tried to fix in my own business was your mom like an organized person? Like, did you, did you get that part or was it just, you just saw the pain point. It became so glaringly obvious to you that you're like, I need to figure out how to solve these types of pain points. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Just uh, seeing the pain point and, and recognizing it. Dude, that's awesome. Are you the oldest? Do you have brothers and sisters? Uh, so I'm the middle kid there. I'm one of five. Oh, wow. Household. Yeah, yeah. We all grew up in a little tiny 1300 square foot, three bedroom, two bath. It was great. Um, but I was kind of the oldest of the second set. So my parents had two kids. They were eight and 10 years older than I was. Okay. And uh, no divorce, same parents. Uh, they just decided to have three more. And so I was kind of the, you know, by the time I was a teenager, they were moved out. And it, so I kind of have those first child tendencies as well as middle child. Interesting. The, the connector, Interesting. bringing everyone together. I love it, man. I love it. So I have a, I had a brother that is eight and a half years older than me too, man. So I, like, I, 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 I know, I know how that feels. Um, all right. So then talk to me, man. So you are, you start fixing and selling cars. At what time did you start systematizing that company immediately? Or was this, this company that you talked about when you were 23 that you started, was that the roofing company that you just exited? That's was that right. like the yeah. first formal foray into like, not just like making money here or there, but creating a company? Yeah, exactly. That was my first, Hey, let's, let's build a business rather than a, a, side gig, I guess you could say. All right. How'd that um, start? I went to, went to engineering school and just always kind of felt like I was never going to be the best engineer. Wasn't, I wasn't super excited about the calcing numbers and three page long yep. equations. Calc two still gives me nightmares, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember sitting through class thinking, when am I ever going to use this? <laughs> um, and, and I wasn't alone. I mean, there was, there was a, definitely a group of guys that was in engineering school with me that, you know, all ended up in like finance, real estate, construction, um, but we all had engineering degrees. That's the the one tie. But anyway, um, that's when I graduated. I went to work for a big construction company, uh, building law firms, actually doing uh, like law firm tenant build outs in Washington, D.C. And so these were big projects. I mean, the first one I was on was like three million, but the second one I was on was like 300. And so we were doing 11 floors, nearly 600,000 square feet of, you know, total office build out for this huge law firm. And um, got to see a lot of details and, and how people connect with each other, especially it was interesting seeing from a third party view, the partners, you know, there was like 60 something partners, like how they made decisions. It was wild because, you know, obviously there's like the majority partners and then there's the minority and the, the mm -hmm. junior and, you know, they all are at the table, but uh, there were definitely some that had a lot more pull than others, I guess you could say. <laughs> some that kind of felt like they were like, well, whatever. Um, so that was cool seeing the inside out, but after about a year, not, not even a year of that, I just felt like I wasn't learning quick enough. There was just this feeling inside me that was like, well, 
we're doing all these cool things and yes, I'm learning a lot, but I'm not learning fast enough. And so my only way I could figure on how to accelerate that was to either go work for a developer or start out on my own. And um, that was where I just figured got to make the jump. I saved up a bunch of money and, and made that leap into entrepreneurship and ultimately landed on roofing after a year of doing kind of everything. I was doing kitchens and bathrooms. I, I'd almost repeated what my dad had done at the, first, at the start and then realized like, oh, wait, I knew this back in the day. Now I need to reapply that realization to my own life. And um, landed on roofing through a fluke, um, essentially did a job for this BP executive. He was going away for- Before that, before, before we go there, because we're going to inherently get to landing on roofing, that moment, that realization, was that an aha moment? Like, did you have like an out-of-body experience where you're just like, wait a minute, I'm like <laughs> freaking dad. And I had, you know, like I was pissed about him because of this. Now I'm pissed at myself. Did, to be honest with you, I almost gave up. I spent an entire year almost spinning my wheels. I think I made like 30 grand after working 80 hour weeks. Like yeah, I didn't even take a day off like all year long. And, uh, and it was just like, I didn't technically fail, but to me, I failed. The expectations were higher, I guess you could say. And um, I, I, I almost shut down the business. I like went on a trip to I went backpacking in Europe for a month. I uh, went with my dad to Israel, just kind of went and traveled and, and honestly didn't know if I was going to come back to the business at all. Um, but during that time period, I had done one roofing project for someone and through three months of just taking off, I guess you could say, yeah. I realized through that, like it took time to really realize like, okay, here are the failures mm. and there's where you should be putting your, you, you know, your efforts. I'm glad we dove into that, man. And and if I'm hearing this correctly, it was taking time off and going on these trips that that kind of gave you that perspective. And it's something that I've that I experienced, right? So when I transitioned out of construction, um, I had like the next logical step of being head of business development for a big builder, or I had this opportunity to be VP of business development for a software company that's a startup and super, super risky and whatever. And um I, 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 I took that opportunity. Right. And then, and then after a year, I decided that the partnership that I had created wasn't right. And I was going to distill the lessons that I learned in, you know, really aggressive e-commerce entrepreneurship and, and everything else that I had learned around networking and relationship building and figure out how to build a business. And I took three months off. Like my wife was like, take a break, right? Like take three months to, to figure out where you want to be instead of taking your next opportunity, which as a connector that I am, I always get offered sales stuff, business development stuff, like, right. So it was like, and that 90 day purposeful pause allowed me to, to figure out, you know, to like name where I want to be in 10 years and reverse engineer. And I came away with this profound lesson that distance creates perspective, right? Like being able to remove yourself out of the situation and look back on it in a very, in a very real way, you know, distance creates perspective, right? Like if yeah. you're looking at a painting up close, right? So like, is that yeah. kind of, is that kind of how that happened for you? It's stunning how you had almost exact same experience. Cause I, for me, it ended up being almost three months because yeah. it was uh, a month in Europe. I went and traveled with my dad. And then I was actually back home with my parents for a, a little bit of time, almost a month there. So all total, nearly three month time frame, And it was enough time to like collect thoughts, recognize what went well, what didn't. I realized I'm a good salesperson, but not a good project manager. And so, you know, upon launching into what ended up being successful, it was like, 
great. I need to bring someone else in that's good at project management. I got to solve that problem. And the person that's solving, it's not me, you know, and it's, it's recognizing your, I guess your weaknesses and then building something around your strengths. Love it, dude. Love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm in that modus right now. That guy, Isar, that's part of PodMax. He's become like, like I've realized I can be the top of funnel kind of thing. And Isar is like my like COO, CTO <laughs> kind of guy that fell from heaven. Cause that's exactly what I need. So then tell me, then tell me, so you landed on roofing, man. So, so go from there. Like you landed on roofing. What did you, when you started, were you just like, I'm going to start a roofing company or just like, I'm going to do roofing differently because this is what people are doing wrong. Yeah. So it mostly that, and what the way I found it was that, uh, I was doing a job, did a a renovation for a BP executive and he was going away for two months. It's one of these guys that was like definitely established in his career. Um, killing it, I guess you could say, didn't have kids, didn't have a wife and was just truly a career oriented guy. Um, he recognized me as someone that he thought he could trust. And so he was like, look, I got to go away for two months. My house needs a roof. The guy that did it didn't do it right. He, he bought one of these like flipped houses. And um, he was basically like, look, you find the contractor. I'll pay you 10% on top of whatever they're charging. Just don't, you know, don't pick the expensive guy. Make sure it gets done right. Yeah. He's you like, like owner, owner's rep start to your own business, right? That kind of thing. Almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and this was for like the story. end of that year, the, the crazy year. And so, um, yeah, I got, I called 17 contractors. I got only six people to come look at it. And out of six people that looked at it, I got three quotes and they ranged from like 6,800 to like 17,000. Okay. What, what year was this just for scope of this like what the demand on the builder was? This was in 2015. Okay. So build construction is going bananas at this point. There's, there is, there's a lot of building. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. But a lot of people just didn't return phone calls. They didn't even bother, you know, to be like, Oh, sorry, we just don't have time for that. It was zero communication. Sure. Um, And so that that was the moment of realization is like this industry's just truly needs help. You know, if people would just answer their phones or show up to a bid or, or at least tell me why you're $17,000 versus 6,800, you know, help me understand and I'm a contractor. It's not even like you're talking to a, a homeowner that doesn't understand construction at all. It's like, you could just talk plainly with me. <laughs> Tell me why you're more expensive. Uh, and they couldn't. And so anyway, that that was kind of that aha moment of like, oh, wow. So how, did you, sales how, how did you propose to solve that in your mind at the time? Oh, I went and found a subcontractor and did it myself. So I, I found these couple guys that knew how to do roofing and researched everything on YouTube, watched the manufacturer's website videos and all this stuff. And then just went up there and did it with the guys. And that's how we got it solved. Cool. So then well, what I meant was when you went to launch your company now, like what was it, what did you put in place to, to solve for that customer feeling like, what the hell are these guys talking about? Oh, oh yeah. So um, mostly we developed a process that was centered around training or, or I guess education for the customer. And mm-hmm. so instead of being a sales-based company going, you know, door to door, knocking on people, you know, you need a new roof. We were totally laid back. We developed a process that was like show up in the home with an iPad and show them exactly what to expect. Here are the materials that we're going to be using and and put them in the customer's hand. We'd walk them through, here are the things that could go wrong. You know, these aren't very likely, but in case it does happen, here's what to expect. And so by the time we left the home, they felt like 
we taught them how a roofing project goes, the differences between the materials. If they wanted to buy something more expensive, they at least knew why they were paying more and um, really approach sales from a, you know, a point of education. That was yeah. a differentiator. You led with value. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I love it, man. That's great. Did that work immediately? Was there, did that create a longer sales cycle, which at some point squeezed you and you had to really like stand by this? Did it work immediately? Um, I would, I, I guess, so initially a lot of the referrals that we were getting was because of the networking I was doing. Mm. So this, this is probably a good tie-in for yeah. where you're looking. But initially I didn't do a lot of marketing at all. I simply went to business networking, you know, associations. I went to um, property management associations. I went to all sorts of places because I had a lot of time, but not a lot of money and really invested in those relationships so that by the time they were calling me for a roof, there really wasn't much of a sale at all other than, hey, here's who we are. Here's what to expect. Versus later on when we were doing a lot of networking, because we grew, I mean, you get to a point where you can only, you only have so much time in the day to network. And so those relationships did carry through, of course, still to this day, they're referring business to that company because, you know, we, we did what we were saying, said we were going to do, but, um, those, those initial, I guess, leads were easy to close because of the amount of time and effort that I'd put in on the front end. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So you were doing associations and homeowners and stuff like that. How did you choose, how did you choose what rooms to show up in? I just tried to figure out who were the people that were most likely to give us business. Um, So I figured realtors are always in contact with homes. Property managers are always in contact with homes. And then another thing I joined, um, a lot of people are familiar with it, but it was BNI, Business Networking International. Yep. It's just a, a room full of people that do different trades and different things. And you get to know each other at a personal level. You get to know how each other operate. And then you can truly refer with confidence instead of like, oh, this guy did a roof for me. It's like, oh, this guy did a roof for five of my best friends and you have to use him, you know, yeah. type situation is what ends up developing. That's cool, man. So I, just to share here, right? Like I, when I got into networking, so I started my own green building consulting company in like 20, 2009. Um, two years later, I got absorbed by my biggest client. Um, and I started really networking in the nonprofit space, right? Like I, I started a young professionals group for Habitat for Humanity. Oh, that's for, awesome. me, for me, it was a very long tail thing. But I, with, with Habitat yesterday. Great oh, idea. that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, man. So we started this group and that led to me getting on the board of multiple charities. And, and, and to me, I, you know, I wasn't going for the transaction thing because I wasn't a biz dev guy in my company. I was director of sustainability. Right. So I was just, but it built up this like very long-term network of like future leaders and whatever that's now allowed me to completely pivot and do anything I want. Love it. Um, but it was always walking into that room, looking for a relationship, kind of like what you're talking about, right? Like walking into that room, looking to be valuable, looking yeah. to be known as opposed to like, who needs a roof? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That I, I didn't even bring business cards to a lot of the first times I went to these places. Cause I was like, I don't even want them to feel like I'm trying to like, you know, toss out my information. Yeah. It's simply like, just show up and get to know, let them get to know who you are. Mm. At the same time you get to know who they are. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, the real reality is like, there's some people you don't want to work for either. 
<laughs> not all business is good business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, a, that, that's a profound statement we can talk about for a while. <laughs> you get to know the people in the room that you're like, ah, you know, maybe I don't want to really <laughs> spend yeah. time working with them or, or their yeah. friends. Yeah, who um, not so. to do business with is equally as important as who you who you can do business with. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, man. So so then you you said you recently sold this thing. That how'd you get acquired? Yeah, so I sold it to uh, an employee. Actually, bought it. Uh, it was back awesome. in January, and uh, it was a win-win all the way around. Everybody benefited. Um, he was from the finance world and was just tired of selling, kind of I'd say, but products he didn't really believe in, and had a little bit of experience with construction back in his high school days. And for him, it was just a breath of fresh air to come into a company where he was selling something that someone needed. And he totally believed in our ability to execute. And so um, he started with me only a year and a half prior to buying me out. And it was just a, I guess, almost match made in heaven where he loved it. I wanted to go do something else. And so, you know, this year he's thriving. And it's like one of those cool things where my customers are still being served. And he is making, frankly, more than he's ever made in his life. And it's, it's cool to just see it flourish and grow and, and be something without me, but with the principles that were set in place, I guess, still living. I love it, man. That's very cool. That's very cool. What, so, all right. So you wanted to do something else. Did you know that what you wanted to do was retex? Like what, what, what made you feel like you wanted to do something else? Yeah. I didn't know at the time what I wanted to do. I just got to a point where it was like, okay, we were doing about four to four to five million dollars in sales annually. And so that's kind of that cusp of like you're big, but you're not gigantic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the next step was either we're gonna hire a buttload of people and blow this thing up, or I'm gonna go do something different. <laughs> yeah. And and that was the deciding point. And for me, I started the company with kind of the end in mind, knowing that I didn't want to be necessarily a a roofing company owner forever. I more wanted to use it as a vehicle to gain knowledge on how business works, to build up a net worth, you know, and and buy some real estate and have passive income and really add years to my life. (laughs) Because at the time, the things that I wanted to do, which was development, um, just wasn't really, it, it wasn't accessible to me. There was no way I could have done that. That makes sense, man. So are you, are you right now doing some development also or? or I am. You... Yeah, I am. Uh, we okay. just broke ground two weeks ago, actually on uh, three duplexes side by side. It's not a massive project, but it's one of those, like, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. That's so awesome. um, yeah, we're going ground up with those. I'm going to keep those as rental properties. So they're yep. going to be Buy and hold. portfolio. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. All right, dude. So then tell me, so what was the, what was the problem that you saw? So what, what is the problem that Retex is solving for right now? Sure. Um, I think there are a lot of people out here in the world that have a lot of drive and ambition and don't necessarily know where to put that. I count myself extremely lucky that I found a business that was geared toward sales. It was geared toward customer service and it did reward me for, I'd say, doing the right things. And so what I really wanted to do was just teach other people how to do those right things. You know, give them a a setup and a process that enabled them to go out and be a great contractor and deliver that value 
and be rewarded for it, frankly, because if you're not making a return off of what you're doing, then it's kind of one of those things it's like, why do it? And so the value that actually gets recognized, I guess, you could say. So you are essentially, and I, I can echo with this for sure, right? Like a certification program, a licensing just gives you kind of like the legal background and, and, and your experience as a craftsman gives you the experience to like deliver on it, but it doesn't really teach you how to, how to get sales and grow a business. Is that, right. that's what you're solving for then? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, the goal is to be a much less expensive than franchising, but deliver almost the same thing. So it's a, it's a complete training software. It's a, it's a business platform. So you know, we're helping them with marketing, we're helping them with sales, we're helping them with the CRM and it's, it's all in one essentially. And uh, we're about a third to a quarter of the cost of the average franchise. Okay. So it's it's like, it's like like that, it's like that halfway point between an info product and a, a a business system that runs your, like a, like a backend software to allow you to run your business, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful, man. And what are you, do you have an end in mind? Are you starting this with an end in mind? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know yet. I so the mission that is paired with this business is that I've uh, I've made the declaration and the commitment to donate half of all profits off of the business back into education and training. And I, you know, one I think American general needs trades. It needs people to, that know how to do these things. That's one thing. And there's people that don't, that don't fit in school. They don't want to be there. You know, they want to be able to go and make a decent amount of money for doing a skilled labor position. And so there's a need for that. And then there's also a need for, I guess, every kind of education, you know, inner cities and, and things like that. And so I, I want to use this as a, a platform to give back to the community. Um, so it's almost like, teaching people, making money off of it, and then using the proceeds partially to, to teach more people. I think it's really interesting that you're solving for your dad's original pain point that drove you crazy, plus adding <laughs> your sales ability and stuff to it, man. Like, is that, is that where it comes from? Have you thought about it that way? I've never thought of it that way. No, it's cool. That's really interesting, man. I applaud you for that. Thanks. All right, man. So I, in the end of my podcast, I have this like rapid fire, uh, lightning round. You ready? Yeah. Go for it. All right, cool. What's your favorite restaurant? What do you order and where is this place? Oh man. My favorite restaurant is called space bar. It is in false church and it's where we moved not too long ago. False church uh, is what state? False church, Virginia. It's just outside of Washington, DC. Okay. It is a grilled cheese. I'm in already. Extraordinaire. Basically the best grilled cheeses you've ever had. And uh, it's paired with like a revolving set of 25 or so craft beers. And they're always playing old like Star Trek and Star Wars and all you know random shows on uh, on the TVs while you're there. It's just this little tiny hole in the wall. I love it. I'm so in. Can you just repeat the name of the place and where it is? Because it's I kind of interrupted you in my excitement. Yeah, it's, uh, it's called Space Bar. And it's in Falls Church, Virginia. Gourmet grilled cheeses. That's the best way I can describe it. And craft beer. Oh, bro. You had that. that like, I'm in. I'm oh, so, wait, I'm, 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 tater tots I'm headed loaded tater tots. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In case you want to add another bra size. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
I'm so in, dude. I'm on the way to Falls Church right now. All right. What is uh what what kind of content are you most into right now? Like this could be this could be like a podcast you're listening to, it could be a book you're really into, it could be like your Netflix and chill series du jour. Like what are you what are you consuming these days content wise? Yeah, I love that. Um Umbrella Academy. So we're watching on Netflix right now. It's a, mm-hmm. a fun one. Um, as far as helpful content, <laughs> I am I'm reading a book right now. I just finished um So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. That was a good one. I just love the idea of like the the craftsman mindset, like, like just being the best at whatever you're doing right now, no matter what said thing is, it's going to, it's going to work the muscles of becoming better, you know, which can be applied to literally every area of your life. Um, but yeah, what I'm reading right now is just a book called house. It's uh it's the journey of this couple that, um, designed and built their own house. That's, that's it. I love it, dude. A development it. book. So usually I phrase this as, what did you believe in your 20s that you no longer believe? I, I don't think I can phrase it that way for you. But <laughs> what, what do you, you know, give me something that you used to be sure about that you no longer believe. Wow, that's a tough one. Um, geez. On the spot here, bro. Yeah, yeah. I actually don't have a good answer for this. Okay, that's fine. I think... I, you know, I think when you're reading a lot of these business books and, and, and consuming information from people who are much wiser than you, you're constantly s- surrounding yourself with these like fundamental truths, you know, for example, like being interested in someone else generally will make them, will, will make you more interesting because no one's more interested in anything than themselves. So like you feeding into that you know, it's always, it's generally always going to get a good response. And um, yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of things that I've learned along the way that are like that. And they just still hold true. That's no awesome. Matter, dude. No where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. So that, that kind of bleeds into the next question then like, what's, what's your, either the best piece of advice you've ever gotten or like the piece of advice you like to give the most. All right. Yeah. Uh, I love to share this one. Um, there was a friend of mine from, from, Florida State that uh, graduated at the same exact time as him. And he went the route of you know, working for the government and he's in tech, so he makes pretty good money. But I think on some level, he felt like um, just being left behind a little bit. And so he asked me, he's like, Josh, you know, we're, we're drinking a beer. And he's like, Josh, what would you say you would attribute your success to? And I told him it was it's as simple as this. I think it truly boiled down to telling someone I was going to do something and then actually doing it. And that came down to everything, you know, if you said you were going to give someone an estimate, you actually did it. When you told them you're going to be there at 10 o'clock, you showed up at 10 o'clock or you called them if you were going to be there at 10 five, you know, that type of commitment to doing exactly as you said, I think is just, uh, yeah, can't beat it. Yeah. That's excellent, man. That's honestly one of the, it's one of the things I most struggle with, right? Like that consistency. Right. So I, <laughs> I think it is, it's, it's great, man. It's true. It's true. I right? Like all, I, so. huh? I think we all do though. I mean, it's, yeah, makes sense. In every area. Because I mean, even if you're killing it in business, there's sometimes where it's like, you told your wife, you're going to go on a date every week. And now it's been three weeks. Yeah. You know, and you're like, shoot, we got to go on a date. Like, How do you balance that, man? So like, listen, my, where I struggle with it is because I want to please, right? So like, I, I struggle with the saying no part of it. And then I let some stuff yeah. fall on the back end, right? But it always comes from a good place, right? So like, I I give myself the excuse of like, 
well, you're not bailing on this person because you're too good for them. You're, you're, you're just coming short because you promised them this or what. So where's that, where's that fine line of like, how do you, I guess, I guess a better question is how do you decide to say no? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, I, I mean, so even behind me on the wall here, there's uh, our like one, three and five year goals slash mission. And, and what we did was we, you know, took off a whole weekend, went to the beach and the entire point of the weekend was to hammer that out. And that was me and my wife. And it's kind of one of these things where it's, it provides a filter for you because if someone comes to you with an opportunity, lots of things sound exciting, but if it doesn't fit into one of those categories, pretty much unequivocally, it's a no. If it doesn't, if it's not something that's going to help with the mission that we're set out to do, then, um, you know, obviously there's always like the friend that's like, Hey, can you come help me move? And (laughs) as we move into our thirties, there's less of that, thankfully. But, um, I guess my point is there's always stuff that pops up and that's always, it's, it's tough to balance, but in general, that's the filter. I love it, dude. Have the end in mind, have, have your goal in mind, know where you're going, right? Like I, yeah, totally, man. The moment yep. that I and we went through everything. We went through like family relationships, yeah. business, giving back. You know, hit like all the big pillars of what I call a, a you know, a balanced or a harmonious life. And you know, it was kind of one of those like, if someone invites you to a party, if a bunch of your friends are going to be there, you try to go because you want to be spend time with your friends and you want to you know deepen those relationships. But uh, yeah, I would uh, I would challenge you, dude to that process that you went to with your wife, put out, put it out there, like give it, give it away for free to your friends and family (laughs) and on the internet, man. That's a very, very valuable thing that you did that not a lot of people do. Right. And just having like a guiding document to do that would be really, really helpful for people. Yeah. Yeah. And I gotta say that wasn't my idea. This was taken from from someone else. (laughs) Yeah. Not the most creative person. I'm just take lots of other ideas and put them all together. <laughs> I'm the same way. Well, it's all about recontextualizing, man. Like I got voted funniest in high school, but I never wrote a joke. I just watched Ace Ventura a thousand times so I could use <laughs> yeah. every line of that movie where I needed to, right? Yeah. Like, and now as a networker, it's all about like, dude, I just learned this from Josh and Josh has gone through this and you're going through something like that, but in the publishing industry. So maybe you can, you know, learn from something like that, right? Like it's all about recontextualizing and sharing, man. Absolutely true. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, so before I ask you my last question, where do people find you, right? Like if someone is interested in Retex, where do they go? Where If someone wants to connect with you, right? Like for our, our buddy that just that just heard how cool you are, you know, like how do people find <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the best way to connect with me is on Instagram. My handle there is jglewis1. My last name is spelled L-E-W-I-S. So it's jglewis1. Cool, man. I'm going to, I'm about to do that right now. And uh, last question is where do you find community? I find community in a lot of places. Um, I'm a part of a, a good church local that they'll, you know, love to hang out. And these are the type of people that don't, uh, you know, we have events at breweries We're we're fun churchgoers, I guess you could say. Um, I find community through, uh, I'm a part of a, a real estate group. We, you know, get together and chat once a week. That's always fun. And then I've purposely developed a community with my college buddies where we have a dedicated call once a week to chat. And so it's, it's four of us that essentially committed to one hour on Friday mornings. We all just talk about 
business life relationships and you know we go deep with each other and we hold each other accountable and goals and um that's something that all of us can do basically to you know be intentional about your relationships by committing to a time to to be with those people love it bro what a complete answer that was really good uh listen man i i gotta acknowledge you you know right like first podcast you totally killed it i uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just generally right. Like I'm very impressed by how you come across, man. I think this is going to be a really good medium for you. I think you have a lot of value to give to the world. And just like I challenged you on that, I'm putting out that thing. Like, I, I think you're a dude that can start making a lot of content and help a lot of people, right? If you, if you dig into all these like different pieces of, of growth and like these formulas of having the end in mind and how you approach relationships and how you're solving this original pain point, um, I think you have a lot, a lot to offer, dude. And, and, and you, you, you are for where you're at in your life is very admirable, man. And I, and I want to commend you for everything that you've, you've accomplished. And I'm pumped that we got to connect and I hope we get to be buddies, man. Yeah. Love Despite it, man. Your I mean, I... Seminalness. <laughs> yeah. Right. Except for working with college. Yeah. Um, man, I gotta, I gotta throw it to you as well. You made me feel really comfortable. This was super easy and, uh, yeah, just enjoyable experience. Right on, man. I hope you enjoyed that conversation right there as much as I did. Listen, Connect with Pablo is a content marketing community creation agency. The bottom line is that if you can start creating content that can give value to your customers or audience while creating strategic relationships through it, you can have a content machine that allows you to tell the story of your business through the value you are creating while gathering people together. If you're curious about that or know someone who could be, please shoot me an email at you should at connectwithpablo.com or hit me up on Instagram or LinkedIn through the profiles tagged in the show notes. If you just want a quick pick me up and some tactical advice right before walking into a room full of strangers, go to connectwithpablo.com, watch the five minute video about how to walk into a room and not feel like you're all alone and or download the little cheat sheet on how to do just that. I have a lot of my friends that I've done networking with me for a long time tell me that they love watching that thing and carrying it around when they're walking into a networking event or they're walking into a conference or sometimes even if you're just walking into a wedding and you don't know anybody, right? It has a lot of use for it. I invite you to check it out if you need it. I really hope you stick around, connect with me and start leaning into finding value in others and feeling like you have value to give yourself. It'll make the world a better place. I promise. Until the next episode, I am Pablo Gonzalez, your Chief Executive Connector.